thought you were staying. I thought you were going to sit down. Good morning. Was anyone here at nine o'clock this morning? <laughs> Easy to do. Just kind of snuck up on us, and here we are, getting dark at four thirty-five o'clock. I don't like that. I don't like that. <clears throat> well, it's good to be here again this morning. In fact, it's good to be anywhere on any given morning. Praise be to God for that. <laughs> and believe it or not, Gary Wilkie and my sermon had nothing to do with each other. It just seemed like, <clears throat> well, Gary figured he could help me out. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about the heart today. And Skip, could you put the, uh, well, before you do that, let me pray. Father in heaven, I thank you and praise you that as we come together as a body of Christ, as a family more than anything else, I ask that the family, Lord Jesus, would be able to share with each other, would be able to hear the words that you have placed in my heart. And Lord, only through your spirit are these words of any value. So Lord, I ask through your spirit that these words would touch not only those out there, but my own heart. For that's where it was directed to begin with. And now I share what was on my heart to you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, boy, that's an ugly looking thing, isn't it? Can you imagine getting a necklace from a boyfriend or something like that, and that's hanging off of it? Why do we always put these little symbolic things that are uh, trying to make it look like something it isn't? This is a true heart. Now, I have a, a, a small swimming pool at home, and I have a pump that goes along with it. That pump does the same thing this thing does. Takes water in, filters it, passes water back out. That pump has cost 15 bucks. So there's nothing really big about this particular organ other than the fact I think it's mentioned more than any other thing in the Bible. I don't know how many times it talks about the heart. <clears throat> now, when it's talking about the heart, seldom is it ever talking about the physical heart. It's talking about the spiritual heart, the emotional heart, the heart of desires. These are all the things that uh, this is supposed to represent. And these are the things we're going to talk about this morning. For the heart itself, well, we found out in a matter of a short space of time, Gary had a heart transplant, and he's up and walking about in a day or two. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. So you see what a heart transplant can do. And there were many, many men in Scripture that were given additional time, but we'll get into that further on down the road. So the heart, there we go. There it is. It's uh, just water in, blood in, blood out. And the problem with the heart is it's been taking bad, bad blood for so many years. It's been taking blood that finally wears it down until it becomes useless. That's how it is with our heart. Now I'm talking about not the blood, the physical blood. See, Adam took blood. He did something that cost him his heart. <clears throat> now, I don't know what happened to Adam after all that, other than that he was thrown out of paradise. But he did something with his heart that shouldn't have been done. He decided against obeying God. 
And that was a wrong heart decision. And when he did that, he placed a great burden on every one of us. We are all under that sin of Adam. And as we get into this, there's only one way to eradicate it. Although, believe me, men for centuries have been trying to figure out how to heal this heart. I was talking to the uh, Marsha's cardiologist Friday. She had to go in a regular checkup. And he was kind of talkative this time. And he was talking about heart transplants and all the things. And he was talking about... And I told him we had someone in the church that just had this done this week and was doing fabulous. And he was telling me how uh, we have progressed to the point where uh, the heart transplant is not only a simple thing, but the point of rejection of it, which has always been the big thing to begin with, has become simplified also. And he talks about this. He says, you know, if he had that transplant, he must have been within a day or two of not surviving. He says, they can tell when the person gets to that point, they move them up the scale. And he said, believe it or not, some people don't make it to the hospital. That's how close they come. Trying to weigh it out. It's a good analogy that we'll touch upon later on as we get into this. So, Skip, can you go to the next scripture? Oh, by the way, I have to apologize. I got on the second scripture, uh, Psalm uh, 623. That should be Romans. I looked at that, I looked at that, and it said Romans, 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 until finally I was going over my notes again yesterday. I said, ah! And I raced down here on Saturday to change it on the bulletin, but I didn't change it on yours. I made sure Skip didn't throw that up because I'd have been stuck here trying to make that thing work. (laughs) And it's not, believe me, it's not easy. If you've ever been up here and you found yourself with a scripture you didn't quite uh, put down, you try to fit it in. And sometimes you're successful and sometimes you fall on your face. But at any rate, you can mark that as Romans 6.23. So the next thing you were looking at, the composition of man's heart. Many are the plans of a man's heart. I like the way the King James puts it, the devices. I like that word for this. Many are the plans in a man's heart devices, but it is true, Lord's purpose that prevails. It is, the, it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Many other plans, many other devices. When we're talking about devices, <clears throat> that's kind of a worldly word. They use devices in order to change things, to take something that was and change it into something that isn't, a device. A device. Just the word itself, device. It has... A, a, kind of an onus, an ominous kind of sound, device. That's man's heart. So when we read these things, we read them quickly. We don't realize that there is power behind every word that the scripture says. It's an, uh, we are the, many are the plans in a man's heart, many are the devices. What are those plans? Well, we got our inheritance from, from Adam. We got bad blood that we needed to change. In fact, quite honestly, Our fingerprints were changed the day we received Christ. You know what that was? New DNA. We not only don't have the same blood, but we don't have the same DNA. But until that transformation takes place, we have the same exact thing as Adam. And looking for the same answers. How can... And I asked Pat before, I said, I should have asked you to play What Can Be Done With This Old Heart of Mine. It's a great song. So to soften it up with oil and wine. 
and then it proceeds to tell what the oil and wine is all about. But every heart, whether you have a stony heart, whether you have a heart that all of a sudden you don't know which direction you're going and you can feel it getting a little bit hard, a little bit callous, it's not hard to get something callous. Just start making judgments and you'll find how rapidly your heart can be calloused. Uh, I was talking to my brother this morning and we, we agreed together how quickly we can make a judgment. And that's shame on us. And what that does is put a callus on your heart. <clears throat> if you've ever had a callus, you realize it's kind of a lump of dead skin that has grown over and got a little thick. And sometimes if it's in your shoe, now you've got to go to the next shoe size. You've got to make accommodations for this callus. Same thing with a callous heart. You have to make accommodations. You have to start figuring how this heart, my heart, my thinking, my presence can fit into how I feel today. That's what man's plans are all about. The devices, the devices men use in order to get away with the sin that they're in. So the devices come to the point, well, hey, I'm not as bad as that axe murderer down the street. I'm certainly better than the drunk that crawls in over the car. But God doesn't uh, kind of equate things like that. He looks at sin, singular. And if you sin, you broke the yoke. Doesn't matter what you did. Society places the degree of penance and the degree of punishment on each particular sin. But God just looks at sin in general. And sin is the callousness on a man's heart. So what are we to do with the devices? Well, we have to make a change here. We can't live in those kind of things. I can't live. You can't live. None of us can live with the devices man has prescribed to take care of a heart. At best, if you do that, you might have a few more years on this earth. <clears throat> there were people throughout Scripture that lived a little bit longer than they should have. Lazarus, he came back, he died. Ezekiel, or not Ezekiel, but Hezekiah, he came back for 15 years, he died. All the same thing. You might get a few more years, but what's that compared to eternity? Those years mean nothing. I can see men and women out here that might not be as old as me, but they were once kids and they're wondering how they got there. How did that happen? How do we get here so fast? And God says it's like a, 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 like a the daisy when it gets that puffy head and the wind blows it and it just blows away. But not true with the heart that God gives us. Not true at all. So anyone that's got a heart here, or have possibly a hard heart, a calloused heart, a stony heart, whatever that case may be, listen closely, because there's a prescription, and it doesn't come from your cardiologist, believe me. Here's what comes from your cardiologist. Come on back. That's another $175 visit, and I'll pay for my boat. They do have your interest. I mean, that's why they're in the business, but mostly... Why does a doctor become a doctor? It's good money. Let's face it. All these things that we can keep coming back to. We were talking about uh, psychiatry, and, and I have nothing against it. It's all these things have their place in God's kingdom. But it always requires another visit. With Jesus, it's a one-time visit. You don't have to come back again. He takes care of it all in one shot. So we're looking at the heart. We're looking at what we're talking about here. The composition of man's heart, and it has many different variables in it. And most of them aren't good. Now the second thing, Skip, if you put it up, 
in Romans 6.23? What happens to a bad heart? Well, as I was talking about, what happens to a bad heart? It says the wages of sin. A bad heart. What happens here? Dies. It can't survive. It'll never get into eternity. Even the, the best purpose a man would have. And I think of Uzzah when the tabernacle was brought back to the Israelites, set on uh, cows going into from the Philistines to the Israelites, and it was tottering back and forth. All he wanted to do was save God's tabernacle. And he ran up and put his hands on it and dropped dead on the spot. Now, for years and years, before I really recognized what God was talking about, I thought, how unfair that was. Wow. But see, the bottom line is sin can never touch God, ever. No matter what the purpose, no matter what the intent, no matter what the heart says, what the plan is, what the devices are, they can never touch God. Only Jesus can touch God. And we have to be converted to Jesus. We have to get that new blood. That old blood pumping through that heart that we're showing, that's going to wear the heart out. It can't stand it. It can't stand that bad blood. And the result of it is, the wages of it, is death. Only the blood of Jesus. Not only will we have this life, we'll have the life to come. So we find out what happens to a bad heart well, we find out it's death. There is no way with all the medicines they have, all the knowledge. Do you know the tremendous knowledge that the medical field has today? And how they have, over the years, been able to extend the life maybe 10 more years, 12 more years. And many times that's not good years. Hezekiah asked for 15 years. And if you ever studied the scriptures and found out what happened to his 15 years... Those 15 years that Isaiah came in and told him the Lord spoke and he'll give, because Isaiah was pleading with the Lord. I remember uh, a cardiologist told me this about someone pleading. And uh, the guy probably had six months to live. And he didn't know how to break it to him. But finally he had to tell the guy the truth. He says, probably six months I give you. Well, the guy breaks down. He's begging the doctor with all the medications and all the things that are out there. Can't you give me some hope? Pleading with him, holding on to him. Well, the doctor says, yeah, well, there is one other thing you can do. He says, anything, anything whatsoever, I'll do it just to have more time in my life. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pack up your bags Go down to Arkansas and find a widow that has 12 children and a pig farm. He says, are you kidding me? He says, no. He says, what will that do? He says, well, he says, you'll still have six months, but it'll be the longest six months you ever lived. (laughs) I'm a cardiologist. What do you expect? (laughs) But the thing of it is, the guy wanted anything, whatever, only to get a few more months. And Hezekiah did the same thing. Hezekiah, there were disastrous 15 years for Hezekiah. He ruined Israel. 
What he did with his 15 years, he showed the Babylonian ambassadors all the wealth of Israel. And they went back to Nebuchadnezzar and said, oh, we got a honey here. Listen, we're going to wait our time out. And here's when we're going to strike and take over Israel and gather all those jewels and treasures. And 15 years, within that 15-year span, that's exactly what would have happened. Uh, Jim McLaughlin was a good friend of mine. Maybe some of you know him, Sally and Jim McLaughlin. Jim McLaughlin had a cancer of the heart. This is going back about probably 20 years ago. But it wasn't having an adverse effect on his composure. He's in the hospital, doing well, but he knows he's got a a deadly thing that's hiding behind his heart. So I went over to see him on a Sunday, and I said to him, uh, what's going on, Jim? He says, Tom, he says, I've been reading scripture over and over again, and I've been reading about Hezekiah. And I said to the Lord, as much as I would like to further my ministry on this earth, if there's anything in it that would hinder me from you, I ask that you would take me today. I said, powerful words, Jim. I went home. I lived only about five minutes from uh, St. Peter's Hospital at the time. When I got home, the phone rang. It was the guy that was coming in after me, Tom Schaller. He says, you're not going to believe this. Jim's dead. I said, what? We were joking and kidding five minutes ago. I'm figuring God took him at his word. And those years he was asking for, we're not going to benefit the kingdom of God. And he took him home. <clears throat> Hearts are funny things. So much emphasis is placed on a heart. So much goes in and out of it besides blood. And we have to be aware of what it is and who it is that's bringing it in and out. Well, the next thing is, over in Jeremiah seventeen nine, is there any cure for my heart? Well, this is a popular scripture. Many people use it. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitfully, ab- deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Beyond cure. Who can understand it? There is no cure for the heart. Can you imagine scripture saying that? What chance is there for me? You know, the apostles asked Jesus that when they were talking about a rich man. And you know what Jesus said about the rich man? Easier for a camel to go through the uh, eye of a needle than a rich man can get to heaven. Well, riches were always predicated on the fact that a man was worthy of God's blessing at that time. So therefore, if a rich man couldn't get into heaven, the apostles asked this question. If that's the case, there's no hope for us. What can we do? Well, you know what? Jesus had been waiting for three years now for the apostles to ask that same question. If there's no hope for them, what can we do? And of course, the answer was standing right before them. They couldn't see it. It was Jesus all along. So we're coming to the point. The deceitfulness above all things. Again, we have to look at the words carefully. Deceitful. Can you imagine having a deceitful heart? Some of us are sitting right here today that's got a deceitful heart. It's telling you this guy is all way. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And even so, I've got plenty of time. Remember me telling you the story about Gary Wilkie? He only had a day or two. And some, as a cardiologist was telling me, didn't make it that day or two. That's how critical it is when they do a heart transplant. Because there's so many out there that have a need 
And there's only so few hearts that are supplied. That all of a sudden it's down to push and shove. Well, I get there in time. I understand Gary drove himself to the hospital. That's incredible. <laughs> That's absolutely incredible. But sometimes we don't understand how close it is and how short the time is to take care of the heart that we have. And if we ever knew the truth, like Gary Wilkie, this is physical, but if we ever knew this, the spiritual uh, connotations of what would happen to my heart today, what would happen? Well, Scripture says there's no cure. There's no cure for it. There's no hope for it in this world. There is none. If we were to live another thousand years and Christ wouldn't come back, there wouldn't be much change in what's going on right now. Oh, better procedures, quicker healing, bigger pills, the whole thing, but the same thing, death. The deceitfulness is thinking that we can cheat that. That's where the deceit comes in. Always a little bit of cheat, always a little bit of underhandedness. That's what the world says. I had a business that I was... Uh, I had three different inspections, a state tax audit, a federal audit, uh, a sales tax audit, all in one year. And the reason I had those three, because I didn't cheat one bit. I made absolutely sure when I started the business, everything would be above. And you know what? They don't believe that. There is, this is the truth. There is a 10 to 15% cheat built into the examinations. They expect you to cheat 10 to 15%. And they may, on any given day, allow you to get away with that. But if you go above that, they'll come after you. And if you don't cheat at all, then you must be hiding something much bigger. (laughs) See, it's the concept of the world. They can't get it that you would do right. So as a result of that, he must be hiding something. He even took my employees, when I had the printing company, into the back room, away from me, to interrogate them. (laughs) Come on. I mean, we got billionaires here that are cheating right and left. Unfortunately for me, I didn't have a battery of lawyers to defend myself. But that's what happens here. So deceitfulness. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Well, who can understand it? Good question. The world has tried to understand it, and they've given you different ways out. Hey, everyone does that. Come on. My first confession as a brand-new Christian, sitting before this minister. Of course, at that time, I thought all ministers were saved, so I was in for a rude awakening. And I told him my confession, my true confession. The first time I ever had a confession in my whole life, and I went to confession every week in the church I was in. Lied, cheated, whatever I had to do to get a blessing, say someone this and get out of there. This time I was sincere. And I'm going, I must have been lengthy. I must have had a lot of things. And finally he says, Tom, 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 you're taking yourself too seriously. You had no idea what I was talking about. The world doesn't have any idea what we're talking about when we're talking about truth. They're always thinking you're covering something up. There must be something more. But there never is. Because it always stops, you know, where the buck stops here, it stops at Jesus. Always stops at Jesus. So the final scripture I want to put up there. Skeppy will put up Exodus, uh, Ezekiel eleven nineteen. If there's no hope for the heart, what are we going to do here? 
Well, here we go. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And here we are back to the heart transplant. See, there is no cure for the heart. The heart is deceptively wicked above all things, Jeremiah says. Well, what's the case? What can we do? Heart transplant. And you know what? It is not a limited supply. That's the best part. We don't have to worry about a medical profession coming up with the right match. Jesus has got the perfect match. Now, I know some of you are sitting out there and say, how long is this guy going to go on? And I'm just about done. But I'm going to tell you the truth. There are some, maybe many, that have a giant callus on their heart that need to confess Christ Get me back on the right page. Worse yet, some of you are sitting out there with a stony heart. A heart that's so hard that nothing has been able to penetrate it. There are many here that had that kind of a heart. Believe me, Christ can penetrate it. He's only waiting for you to ask. He's got the perfect heart for the perfect person at the perfect time. And today is the time. Today is the day of salvation if you've got that kind of heart. Because he'll render a new heart in you. And you'll never be the same again. And that heart will bring you right into eternity. This heart here, as you heard the stories of Hezekiah and, and Lazarus, they all died. They gave a few more years, a few pittance of years, as opposed to eternity, a drop in the ocean. But God wants to give you a heart today. Do you have a stony heart? I'm asking you the question. You, 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 and you. And dispersed here, there's stony hearts. Would you give your heart to Jesus today? Would you have in place a transplanted heart that you would be able, to, for eternity, have the right uh, heart to go in to see Jesus? What's that heart called? It's the heart of Jesus Christ. See, when you give your heart to Jesus, it's no longer Frank and Tom and JJ and anyone else you want to call, Jeff. It's no longer them, it's Jesus. That heart is transplanted, and the Father sees Jesus. It's the heart of Jesus that he transplants. And he's got zillions of them. All he wants is someone to ask for it. Would you ask for that today? In fact, he's pleading with you today. Don't leave here without that broken heart, that stony heart, that callous. Don't leave here like that. For like Gary, Gary only had a day or two to live. And as that cardiologist was telling me, some people don't even make it. You don't know. Oh, you think you do. You don't know your next breath, quite honestly. You think you do. The assumptions that we make on our eternity is overwhelming. You don't know. Something can come out of the sky and kill us all in a second. Right now. And then a division would happen. Those stone hearts, the sheep, goats, being separated. Who wants to go to hell? Anyone raise your hand. Who wants to go to hell? If you had your hand up, I'd ask for the, uh, for the people in the white coats to come and take you out of here. Because you'd be crazier than a loon to spend uh, eternity in hell. 
Let God bring that heart to you. He's got just the heart for you. Just the time. And today is the time. Amen. God bless you. Can I have the music ministry back up here? There will be elders up here to pray with you. And I'm going to tell you something else about that. Very disappointing to see people that can walk out of here and not come up with prayer when they have a desperate need. There's desperation out here. You just don't know it. Today may be the last day you're going to see on this face of the earth. You don't know that. Come up. Talk with the elders. Pray with the elders. Have the opportunity of coming out of here with a brand new heart.